Yes. That's it's it's we're doing an episode about 9/11 on 9/11. We weren't planning on doing this. I woke up at like 4:30 a.m. to let my dogs out and then I like stupidly looked at my phone and saw all of the dumb 9/11 posts. I just wasn't expecting the sheer magnitude and stupidity of them. Mm-hmm. Um like from friends and family, you know, like uh, and I just got so mad and we, and we were texting. I was like, Hey, let's just do a, let's do a pop-off episode on 9-11. Get out our system. We can talk about it. Cause we've been talking about it this week. Um, mm-hmm. and there's some, some interesting ideas surrounding it, but, uh, uh, we, we don't want to be, I mean, we want to be cool. We don't want to be like other 9-11 special episodes. Um, we're like the cool 9-11 special episode. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think the, the, the thing that people want to hear from us is, um, what, what do you remember from nine 11 from that day? Like, what was your experience? How um, old were you? First of all, I was, um, I would have been nine. I was in the okay. first, I was in fourth grade. Um, and the thing that I remember, um, was, um, you know, we had started, um, or we, we were just about to start the day. Um, and mm-hmm. I was in my home room and the teacher had the TV on and I remember seeing the two towers and like smoke billowing from them. So I guess I could pinpoint the time because both towers were on fire, but not collapsed yet. So, mm. um, and, um, I being a precocious child and I, you know, I had, for somehow I had learned before this point that like the world trade center had previously been bombed. Um, so I saw mm-hmm. it and I recognized the buildings and I, I remember thinking like, Oh, they've been bombed again or something like that. <laughs> like, Oh, okay. Um, Another go. And the teachers had it on for teacher had it on for a couple minutes. And then like the, you know, like the teachers were sort of going in and out of each other's rooms I assume, you know, in hindsight, talking about like, what do we do about this? Um, and at <laughs> yeah. some point they just turned it off and um, they just didn't... walked back in and went pretty much. <laughs> well, they turned they turned the TV off and then we proceeded to have a normal school day. Unlike oh, other people so who, weird. you know, like were let out of school early, like we had a normal school day. They didn't mention it at all. Um, but I remember getting home and flipping on the TV that we had at the time on the kitchen counter next to the, the, you know, the dining table. Mm -hmm. And of course it was all over the news at that point. Um, you know, and by then, you know, this was like what, four or 5 PM, like the timeline of events had been established. So yeah. And I remember my parents came home and yeah. Um, I don't know. It was, Yeah. (laughs) It's hard for me to think about, you know, what I felt at that particular moment. Yeah, um, I mean, that's you know, pretty I don't young. Know, I- yeah, I don't know that I sensed that anything was different at that time, but it became mm-hmm. apparent pretty soon after. So, yeah. yeah. My 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 experience is a little weird because I felt like I was prepared in advance for it. Before it mm. happened in, in an unusual way you were in, in comparison it. to most people. Yeah, because I was actually one of the hijackers is one of this. That's, <laughs> that's when I said it's not going to be like other 9-11 shows. Right. I'm serious. I'm, just, I'm confessing. <laughs> FBI, come pick me up. Whatever. Yeah. I'm done. Uh, 20 years. I made it 20 years. So, um, 
The no, I I so I was 18 when it, when it happened and I had just graduated. In fact, I had just graduated even more than my friends because I had to go to summer school and take like another class. Oh, okay. After right. high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like the sole member of the 2001.5 class. So like I had actually <laughs> right. graduated in like August Two, or something. 2001 uh summer commencement and it's just <laughs> you. Sitting yeah. there in a giant sports <laughs> arena. Um. So so I I was like in I was just about to start college. the The week of our first classes were was the week of nine eleven. So like mm. I wasn't in school, but I had developed the habit when I was in high school as a senior. Mm. I. I kept a t- like a 12 inch. You remember those combo Sony 12 oh, yeah. inch TVs with the VCR? Yeah. Um, well, that's sort of what we had on our kitchen table. It was like a little tiny yeah. tube TV. Yeah. 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 And I had one of those next to my bed, like maybe six inches away from my bed, directly mm. facing where I laid down in my face. Um, right. And I would well, fall at the time. I, that was all that you had for entertainment. You know, well, yeah, it's, yeah. See, people are going to make fun of you. And at the same time, they're like holding their phones above their heads while in bed. Like, yeah, you're exactly. No, you're no better. Exactly. Listen. Yeah. At least I didn't drop this on my face. M- yeah. Often. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> getting but, facial reconstruction surgery because I dropped a CRT on my I, head. I accidentally punched my TV in, in my sleep. So yeah. I would leave it on all night. That's what I would do. That was like my white noise machine. That's how I'd fall asleep. <laughs> I'd fall asleep to the glow of television the blasting of, my face. Of of, of uh, late 90s era infomercials. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lots of infomercials and reruns. I like had a channel that where by like two in the morning, it was like reruns of Saved by the Bell. And uh, and I don't know how that affected me it. subconsciously. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so I, which your, is all your to activation say, phrase is, is the Ronco rotisserie <laughs> oven. <laughs> it slices, it dices, it makes julienne fries. Um, and then I hijack a plane. So uh, <laughs> I <laughs> also oh, another important factor leading up to nine 11 was that I was in a band and um, I was friends with a lot of musicians and one of my friends who is in another band did, who shared some members with my band. Um, we were like a music polycule or something. It was very strange, but like, it was like eight bands. It was like the nineties. It made people. sense. <laughs> That's how we did things back then. There wasn't a lot to yeah. go around. So it was we actually the style like at the a, time. <laughs> yeah. We built like a little recording studio in his house. So, mm-hmm. um, so we were all just always hanging out there. Um, and one of, so there, the band that wasn't my, my band was called bad onion. The other band mm. was called old John feather merchant. Now old John feather merchant is a plane that in, sometime in the, I think the 19th century, maybe early 20th century. Oh, well yeah. Early 20th century. Duh. Right. Um, Flew into the Empire State Building. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is something that a lot of people didn't know happened. Like, I, I loved explaining to people the name. Like, they're like, well, that's a weird name for a band. And I'd be like, well, actually, it's about a plane. The name of the plane that flew into the Empire State Building. So, like, 
I was deeply aware of the idea that a plane could hit a building. And we actually would talk about like, well, why did that only happen once? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like if it could happen, why have build like skyscrapers magically become immune from planes or like accidents and that that, like, so that was like in my head the month that it happened. And then also one of the people that I hung out a lot with one of those musicians I was pretty good friends with, was Palestinian. So like I was also pretty aware of like Arab issues and things, you know, U S foreign policy on the middle East and like what was going on. Like I was aware of the difference, like attacks, uh, leading up to nine 11. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like, to me, I woke up in the morning and I looked at the TV and I squinted at it and I saw a building on like a skyscraper on fire. And I was like, Oh, it's the world trade center. It was the news had come in. And then mm-hmm. I literally, <laughs> you know, my memory, it was like only a few minutes later. I don't know how long it was. I was watching, but then I watched the second plane go, go into yeah. the building. And right. I was like, and I remember my thought was like, freaking knew it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was not surprising to me at all. And everyone's like, we don't know who did this. And I was like immediately like, I mean, it's probably <laughs> the right. same terrorists that have been doing that. Like, you know, it's, it, it yeah. was, I, it made sense to me. It's almost like I could have designed the plot in my head on my own. Like it wasn't surprising. Whereas for a lot of people, it was like super jarring, but I'd been like prepared with all these other things. So I just like went back to sleep. <laughs> and then I yeah. woke up like four hours later and everyone in my family was huddled around the TV and they're like, did you hear what happened? Did you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that was my experience. And then like they shut down college for like a week and you know, all that, all yeah. the, the, the stuff that happened after. But yeah. That was my experience. It was kind of weird and unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and, and what I think an interesting point you make is, um, and one of the things that sticks out in my mind was, you know, the second plane and the fact that, you know, I don't know, we, we were just fiddling around. Archive.org has a website, which will be linked in the show notes, where um, they have like television coverage of 9-11 from all sorts of different networks, um, both yeah. from the U.S. and abroad. Um, and it's interesting to go back and watch the, you know, these um, video clips as it unfolded. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and when they first break in and they're like, um, a plane, apparently, you know, we're getting unconfirmed unpro- reports that a plane has hit the World Trade Center. Um, and then the fact that, you know, I don't know, there was that happened and everyone was, you know, like confused as to what was going on, like assuming it was an accident, yeah. things like that. And then the second plane hits and you can, you know, you're watching on television, the second plane hit the South Tower. And, um, I think that in particular was the moment where, um, it clicked for basically everyone in the entire country and world Mm -hmm. that like, oh, this is deliberate. And also like, I think that's the moment when the 20th century ended (laughs) basically. (laughs) It put a big old seal on that century. Yeah. We're entering a new era. And, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people who are younger don't understand. Oh man, I've become a person that says people that are younger and try to explain to young people things. That's yeah. annoying. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting. Like, 
And I think a lot of other people who even were around have like been propagandized out of remembering how it was. Um, mm-hmm. But but like things definitely changed. Uh, right. Very fast. It, the whole country was traumatized. Everyone was just kind of like, you know, the the United States was seen as this sort of invincible force in the world. It was the end of history, right? We were just going to be the world police and keep everything in order. And right. there was we, just we this solid been, line of progress that was going to happen. We had always been insulated from um, other world conflicts, especially, you know, like in the, you know, um, in the 1800s and the early 1900s, you know, like we fought in, in World War One, World War Two, but we didn't take nearly as many casualties as, you know, the countries on whose land those wars were fought, you know, and we won. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and and also and, you know, and then after World War Two, we were, a, you know, a world striding superpower that could sort of do whatever it wanted um, without consequence. So this was you know basically the consequences of you know like our country's foreign policy catching up with us yeah it was um, like you know it's the tweet like sewing ha 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 this is awesome like right. the, the reaping is gonna come man and yeah. like i think that's how i felt when i saw it because like i was because i was so aware of everything i was like i mean it figures like and i remember everyone else being so angry and i was just kind of like already adjusted to the idea of like Okay, yeah, but like, I mean, you can kind of see why, right? Like, <laughs> right. And nobody wanted to hear that. Oh, I would say, boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, no one wanted to. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing, you know, that's, you know, now been established is that this was sort of a self caused problem with the way that yeah. the US funded and it aided. It was just blowback, you know, <laughs> Al Qaeda. Right, exactly. But at the time, you know, we weren't thinking about that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, my my memory of the events is sort of tinged by the, you know, the, the childlike naivete that I had at the time. You know, I didn't know any of that. I was just, you know, the fact that you could fly planes into buildings and then the buildings fell down. It's like, that's a, like, that doesn't, you know, I, and I think, you know, even adults thought like, you know, that's just crazy. The fact that the buildings collapsed, you know these yeah. massive buildings, two of the tallest structures in the world. Um, well, and that know. they built after a bombing having happened there. So like you think right. of any building, like these would be the safest, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. And that they, that they were hit by planes and then collapsed in the space of less than an hour, you know? And yeah. so, um, I don't know, you know, this is, I can talk about my sort of unified theory a bit, which, you know, I was thinking, yeah. I've been thinking um, that America basically peaked with like the moon landings in 1969 in the early 70s mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, that was like the peak of American achievement. And then since then, America's been in a period of decline and we've talked a lot about the 70s in particular. Um, yeah. And then Reagan the decline, and all that. Right. The decline really became terminal and everyone sort of became aware of it, I think, on September 11th. That's when it was manifest to everyone. Um, you know, before yeah. then, you could sort of ignore the symptoms of it, uh, but after that, you couldn't. And then it sort of drove right. us into a deeper decline as we, um, you know, descended into Islamophobia and you know, invading other countries and embarking upon an imperial, you know, a, a imperial military expedition to try and recapture some sense of supposed honor or whatever. And, and I think the that result. mass 
that mass um inability to accept the reality of the situation and instead mm-hmm. try to like build a bunch of hoops and logic loops in your in your head or find some reason for like why that we don't have to accept that was like almost a mass psychological like a psychosis that people went through like it it really did make people like completely detached from like reality in a way um and I, it, it's just like when you do something that you know that's like against your moral character that you know you don't want to do and you do it anyway and you can either like feel terrible about it and admit that you did something wrong and made a mistake or you can like compartmentalize it and justify it and you know any psychologist will tell you like the more you do that um the more issues you're gonna have like that is not yeah. a solid way to to think or be <laughs> and but the like problem all america too, did that right and the problem too was that the administration that was in power at the time of the attack was not ever going to do any of that introspection they were just uh, going yeah, to absolutely. immediately you know um talk and about the how news we, the news we media was complicit <laughs> So, like, what a lot of people don't know is that, like, the, I mean, maybe they do, but, like, there was the Bush presidency, I feel like, ushered in this this different relationship. Well, maybe it was the the Clinton presidency, but somewhere around there, this relationship between the press and the presidency changed, and they mm-hmm. they became almost collaborators. There wasn't like a conspiracy per se, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't like sitting down and planning out what they were going to do, but they both recognized that they could simultaneously scratch each other's backs. And the press, so so the presidency, the executive branch, you know, the government would put out these reports or statements or things, um, or they would, you know, work through the intelligence agencies to, you know, give these anonymous sort of, um, you know, leaks, you know, to the press, the press publishes them. And then the government goes and cites the press saying, well, it's reported that this is the facts. And so they just use that to manipulate what was considered reality. And they were both parties were like deeply complicit in it. And it was all so that they could get more power and money. Right. Um, and I think that's when things like really gone off the rails. Cause like that's when cable news just like got like roided out, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the September 11th attacks in particular were one of the, um, defining moments for cable news, especially for right. CNN as they delivered round the clock coverage of it, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. And, and then, you know, so talking about um, how things were different before and after 9-11, you know, I was I was trying to explain yesterday to some 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 of our, um, you know, youths. younger friends. Yeah, the youths yeah. Um, who, you know, <laughs> don't remember what, what America was like before 9-11. And I basically said, imagine it, you know, a time when it didn't seem like America sucked. <laughs> You know, like there just wasn't this obvious like mm, something's off yeah. here. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying that like things didn't suck, but it didn't seem right. that way. You didn't feel it palpably the way that you yeah. do now. So, yeah. yeah. 
it, it, I it mean, was an was interesting thing- time. I don't know. It was also a lot more of a, and and in some ways this was like a high and mighty American exceptionalism way to think, but there was also a sort of like, um, I, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but like benevolence that Americans mm. felt toward the rest of the world. For a lot of people, the way that they thought about the rest of the world wasn't like antagonistic. It was right. misguided benevolence. It was like, we're, we're not angry at the people in the Middle East. We can help them. We can fix it. We know we can right. fix it. We did it in Germany. We did it in Japan. We go all over and fix people. Don't ask us about Vietnam. Uh, right. Yeah. And so, like, Americans, like, sort of, like, felt like they were morally obligated to help where and when they could yeah, a because bit, a bit like you know like proselytizing priests in like the yeah. 1600s you know yeah stuff so like, like that it was in some ways from most people's perspective it was like a well-meaning thing but that absolutely changed and i think the flip from that benevolent view to an antagonistic view of the outside world was was really a huge deal that a lot of people don't understand and if you ne- didn't see it you wouldn't understand. Yeah, it definitely changed. I think I think America became more xenophobic mm. because it oh, seemed yeah. like we had to. It's like, well, we can't afford to just like let people sort of, you know, gallivant around the country anymore because, you know, we did that and then they crashed planes into buildings. So, like, we have to lock things down now, which I think has ended up inconveniencing us more than it has ended up, you know, preventing any few few further incidents you know and a lot of people don't Um, remember like in the first like maybe three or four years after 9-11 there was a concerted effort to to get people to basically become uh spies in america like every every america every american was like um Mm. deputized to be on the lookout for terrorism and it was really serious. Like it, I, I remember, so I went on my mission for the Mormon church uh, in 2002. So like a year later, <laughs> yeah, actually about mm-hmm. a year, actually exactly a year later, basically. Um, and I remember like receiving like explicit instructions from the church that was like, if you see something, here's how you report it. Like we're, we're friends of the state, you know, and here's a bunch of behavior that the state has, like like the government the federal government has asked you not to do like don't wear trench coats don't take pictures don't like all of these things right yeah everyone became neighborhood you know block watch and that's when like the whole if you see something say something kind of thing started yeah. becoming entrenched um, and, and, and and i mean they were like harvesting library card histories well i read like, a tweet that um you know robert Mueller was the fbi director at the time and apparently right after the attacks he ordered every fbi office to identify um all of the known mosques and like um muslim charities and things like that in their operating territories (laughs) which i'm sure was data only used for good (laughs) well i thought robert Mueller was the good guy i thought he was gonna save us like Mm -hmm. (laughs) how could how could we have known (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, they started making lists of people. And you know when the government starts making lists of people, that's always good things are going to happen. But then also (laughs) after the attacks, there was the a very bizarre time of extremely overwrought patriotism and displays of grief and things like that. Oh, Um, you know, you can start getting the... Yeah, the telethons and things like that. Telethons. This is the era of freedom fries and things like that, you know. And um, I remember hearing God Bless the USA like so many times. Um, That Toby Keith song. I think it was Toby Keith, right? The We'll Put a Boot in Your Ass song. Um, Damn, and my mother, my brother, (laughs) my sister, and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the here we go. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. <laughs> sucker punch came Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and it's very easy to look on it, look back on it in hindsight and be like, boy, that was like really cringe moment. But, Mega cringe. But it, and it was. But of course, at the time, it didn't seem that way, you know. I don't know. We were all trying to come together in the way that Americans know how to come together, which is like cultural products and consumption. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it it was it was really strange. Um, And like I said, you know, at the time I was more aware than most. And so it was interesting to me to watch it all happen. I was more aware of like what the propaganda was. Um, Mm hmm. But I was also at the time, you know, a conservative person. Like, I mean, I was right. I was a register. I was a Republican. I'd voted yeah. for Bush. Like, right. I, you know, I was a uh, way more skeptical than other people I knew. But you know, I was still, his, I was still kind of locked in that world. And his approval rating went up a lot. And this is also where Rudy Giuliani really becomes a national character. Um, yeah, really, really quite fascinating to chart his progression from America's mayor, you know, um, in New York City uh, in on September 11th to where he is now. <laughs> I mean, fallen what a quite great, a bit from the heights. What a great barometer for the rest of America. Right. Like, it's a pretty good metaphor, <laughs> too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what do you what else do you want to talk I mean this is kind of, we didn't really plan this out that well but like well um, you know all I'm thinking about is you know I do f- I do feel solemn on September 11th but like n- not usually in like a patriotic way like you know for yeah, the country yeah, I think <laughs> I, I feel solemn because you know 3,000 people died and it was a cataclysmic event that happened you know within my living memory so like yeah. it's gonna be kind of stuck in there for a while and and, you know i don't know it's still very surreal to me i i will i will sometimes go and watch the you know the 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 news coverage again just because it Mm -hmm. doesn't it still kind of blows my mind that it all happened i guess and i don't know that that's a healthy thing me watching it (laughs) you know just just you know re-traumatizing yourself regularly to keep it there <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know, I've always been sort of a you know like a disaster spectator type, but so mm-hmm. I suppose that goes along with it. But yeah, so um, I guess the other things that I had there, there's some good articles that um, folks have um, 
that have been published or republished, given that it's the 20th anniversary. One is from Esquire. It's The Falling Man. It's about, mm. um, you know, that famous photograph that was taken. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there was another one in The Atlantic um, entitled I Was Responsible for Those People, um, which is about um, the manager of the Windows on the World restaurant, which was the restaurant um, at the very top of the North Tower. Um, and this is a guy who survived the attacks because he arrived after the first plane had already hit, wasn't allowed to go up to the restaurant, to, you know, start doing his job. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, all of his, the folks who worked under him, you know, perished, obviously, Oof. in the attacks. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's his manager of the Windows on the World restaurant survived 9-11 while 79 of his employees died. He's still searching for permission to move on. So. <laughs> yeah, that'd be some intense survivor's guilt, I can imagine. Yep. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. For, it's hard for me too to, to be. I don't feel probably as as deeply as you do about 9-11. Like it doesn't, I don't yeah. really ever feel a sense of sorrow because um I don't I'm well, I'm a broken person for one. And then for two, <laughs> uh I, I think just that background of kind of having been prepared for it. And then spending two years shortly thereafter, like basically completely detached from the news and from television and from cable news and from the world, like, you know, doing my own thing. Um, just so it's, Mm -hmm. so, so for me, it's just like, I remember it as a, like a, a bad thing that happened and I'm sick of hearing about it. And I'm really sick of what happened afterwards because I came home to a world that was different than I left and not in a better way. I don't think, um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's been a long 20 years and it seems like we've I don't know. I guess the question is, when will we as a country sort of move past it? Um, And and I think the question is probably whenever the last person who personally remembers it happening, you know, passes (laughs) away. (laughs) I mean, it it can be like that. Yeah, I I mean, something that I so I, you know, this morning was like having all kinds of thoughts and anybody who follows me on Instagram can see like I was talking about it on there. Um, But like the thing that keeps coming back to me is is that like 9-11 like taught us to distrust and be suspicious of our neighbors and the people that were around every day, especially people who are different from us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that suspicion and that general level of like, uh, of not, not, not having this sort of like, um, solidarity is, is, is the problem. And I think solidarity is the solution. I think, I think getting us all tied up with like spying on each other and, 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 and being, you know, suspicious of each other keeps us from realizing that like, I have more in common with like some Arab, uh, <laughs> like Islamic terrorist than I do for Jeff Bezos. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I have more in common with my neighbors, even if they don't, even if their politics are just completely different than mine. I still have more in common with them than I do with all 
the people in power. And like fixating on being like I was saying on Twitter, like being mad at the lady at Wendy's who messes up your order, then you being more mad at that and getting more enraged and doing more about that than you do about like the actual people with actual power who are actually making your life worse is, mm. is like, that's how they win. That's how they keep their power is because they keep eyes off of them and they keep people busy competing with each other. So like, I just keep coming back to that David Graeber quote that like the grand secret of the world is that, you know, we make it like, right. <laughs> like it's, it's what we choose to make it. And like, we have the power to remake it. It's, Every time the world has been remade or, or changes have happened, it's just because, like, people decided in mass that, like, they were done, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that is starting to happen. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little cynical, but, like, I think, I think the pieces yeah, I don't know. are starting you know, to fall. Try not to read the tea leaves a little too much, you know, but I don't know. It seems like there are some winds blowing, I guess. I don't know. Gotten yeah. hopeful in the past though. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Nah, never mind. It's always going to be bad. I don't, you know what? Cause like if you're, if you're pessimistic and you're wrong, it's good. It's like yeah. a delightful little treat. Oh, okay. Maybe the world's not as bad, but if you're like too hopeful and optimistic, then you're just like on average going to be disappointed. I think. Right. Um, that's probably a healthy way to think. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just mind. looking in the the Wikipedia page for the war in Afghanistan has been updated and it now says uh, 2001 to 2021 result Taliban victory. <laughs> and that's Vox. Vox has an article today um, that is very simply entitled 20 years, six trillion dollars, 900,000 lives. Yeah. And that's yeah. that, that's that's the ultimate result of the September 11th attacks, I think, is I don't know it, it far from, um, you know, you know, learning from it and trying to do better. We we did worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, everyone learn learn from that. <laughs> learn mm-hmm. from the past. Let's not do that again. OK, when yeah. when something inevitably happens. And people with power try to manipulate us, uh, you know, to use that to distract us and use it to their advantage. Don't fall for it. You know, that's all mm-hmm. I can say. Um, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of social. Oh, you know what? If only that were applicable. If only there were some tremendous disaster going on in the world right now um, hmm. that that like leaders and people in power we're trying to use to their advantage to like mold and shape society and convince them of a bunch of really bad things and to do a bunch of really bad things. Um, but I guess it's not really applicable to right now. Uh, and I guess yeah. there's not a lot like the other thing is like the social pressure to conform and not speak out and not like say, Hey, something's not right here. Um, you know, but we don't have that right now. So I don't think we got to worry about it. Yeah. Everything is fine, obviously. So Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing I was not prepared for this I'm trying and I'm learning Thank you for your patience There's so many mistakes I have already made But I'm working to be better day by day And I think I'm gonna make it But for now I'll say I have no idea what I'm doing I have no idea what I'm doing